Ladies and gentlemen, as I record this opening segment of the Young Lions Perspective, episode nine, we are less than an hour away from the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. But this was something I could not ignore. This was a story I could not pass up and talk about. Not talk about, I should say. The Evolution card that is going to be going down on October 28th, and we are literally five weeks away from the pay-per-view, had been leaked this past Tuesday. And the internet basically, if you're part of the wrestling community, basically exploded. Now, I haven't really seen much reaction to it in terms of who said what or what people are saying about it. But I'm going to give you my two cents on the card itself. So before I go on, if you do not want to hear a lick of what matches are going to be going down in five weeks, I give you all permission to just skip this segment and listen to the rest of the show talking about NXT and the Mae Young Classic Episode 2. You can stop now. I'm giving you a little bit of time to think about it. Good? Okay. Out the gate, we are getting 14 matches, apparently, on this card. Now, this includes, of course, the Raw Women's Championship, the SmackDown Women's Championship, and the NXT Women's Championship on the line. We've already known that. That's been confirmed. I want to start off talking about, of course, the main event, the rumored main event for this card. That looks pretty much confirmed. And that is going to be Ronda Rousey defending the Raw Women's Championship against Nikki Bella. I see no reason for Nikki Bella to be anywhere near a championship. Nowhere near a title. When you have other ladies on the card that are more deserving than her to get a shot at the Women's Championship and have a chance to represent the Raw brand. Why in the hell they're pushing Nikki Bella to get a chance at the Raw Women's Championship is absolutely beyond me. At, when I first saw the, the card and I glanced to the main event and I saw what I saw and it was pretty much confirmed in my eyes, I was literally disgusted. This is nothing more than an agenda to, I guess, I guess they're doing a new season of Total Bellas, maybe doing a new season of Total Divas, I don't know. But having Nikki Bella in the main event makes absolutely no fucking sense. When you have women like Sasha Banks, when you have women like Bailey, Natalia, you could have put in the main event. Because you had story there with her. You could have turned Natalia heel and go up against her former training partner and friend. But Vince McMahon would rather give a woman who really hasn't been in a ring in years. The last time we saw her was when she teamed up with John Cena to go up against The Miz and Maurice. And even that, in and of itself, was just an eyesore. I literally wanted to take ice picks and jam them into my eyes, having to watch that match. 
at WrestleMania 34 last year. Actually, 33, I'm sorry. Having to watch that and now knowing that this is all but confirmed, it speaks to they don't know what the fuck to do with the women over on Raw. How can you conceivably think that Ronda Rousey versus Nikki Bella would be appealing whatsoever? Is trash. How are you going to make this storyline work in the eyes of not just the casual fans, but the hardcore fans? I don't know if people like Nikki Bella. I'm sure there are some that do. But this main event does just does nothing for me. Because if, the, if this is what you're going to give us, I'm already thinking you're going to have Rousey destroy Nikki Bella within five minutes. That's just a fact. And, and this just hurts the Raw Women's title more. This hurts Ronda Rousey's title reign more than I think they even thought about. There is no point of this happening. It's it's shit. It's, it's, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to put it out there. It's complete shit. This is what's going to go on as, as the lasting memory in the eyes of the fans at the end of Sunday, October 28th. I understand Halloween is three days after that, but this is going to be an absolute fucking nightmare to watch. That's how we're going out. Ugh, I'm, yeah, I'm just none too pleased with this being the main event. When they first had it rumored, I was flabbergasted as to why they would have this go on. You might as well not, you could put this in the middle of the car and I would have been more satisfied with that. And it just shows, and I'm just going to, it shows Vince McMahon really, really needs to walk away from the company if this is what we're going to be left with at the end of the night. I can already see Twitter literally destroying this match from beginning to end. This is, this. that's, that's how you end the night. And that's why I wanted to get it out of the way now so we can talk about the rest of the card. They're having this show start off with the UK Women's Championship between Rhea Ripley Jenny, Killer Kelly, and Dakota Kai. I like the fact that they're actually going to start it off with the NXT UK brand, seeing as that they're going to be, you know, ramping up their show and starting the whole deal with that. I love all four of these women in the match. Rhea Ripley definitely, you know, coming into her own over the past year. You know, getting a heel persona, looking badass. New outfit, new persona, new everything. And I love that. And what showed in her match with MJ Jenkins last week in the first episode of the May Young Classic was fantastic. You know, I would like to see her get a nice little run in the tournament now, a lot more given the persona that she has now. For those who don't know Jenny, she is the current holder of the Progress Women's Championship after defeating Tony Storm. 
uh, her in the House of Couture, flanking her. Uh, she's a very great talent, a very solid heel. I'm excited to see what she does in her match against Tony Storm when they had their first round match. Hopefully next episode, because this has, this has been a, a view that was really going in progress. And, they, and these two definitely have some good chemistry there. Killer Kelly, who we saw in the most recent episode of the Mae Young Classic, going up against uh, Mako Satomura in the main event, which was definitely a hard-hitting physical matchup. And I thoroughly enjoyed, you know, what both women did here. I loved it. I enjoyed it. Very physical. Very great matchup. Satomura gained the victory. And But Killer Kelly's a very solid talent. And if you saw her in the UK Championship Tournament Day 1, her in a triple threat match against Tony Storm and Isla Dawn to determine who would be the number one contender for the NXT uh, Women's Championship they're going to get up against uh, former champion Shayna Baszler. She's definitely someone to watch out for. And I'm, I'm hoping to see more of her in the future, especially now with the UK brand starting up their show very soon. They still haven't given us a date, but we're definitely going to be getting something out of it very, very soon. And, of course, Dakota Kai, she's one of those talents that I'm really enjoying as well. She's killing it. She's definitely showing out uh, her little mini feud with Aaliyah going down right now. And she's going to be showcased this coming Wednesday when she tags with Gianna Perrazzo to go up against Aaliyah and Lacey Evans. I'm excited to see what how she progresses now. And knowing that she's going to be in the UK Women's Championship match is fantastic. After the match, they're going to have a special announcement for what, and I've been hearing about it as well, that more than likely they're going to be making this Evolution pay-per-view a yearly event, an annual event. And, okay, so let's we can get that special announcement out of the way. Fantastic, I just gave it to you. You're welcome. Right after that, they're going to be having Carmella have a talk show with the Ladies of Glow, which is the Netflix TV show they have. Talking about the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Now, unfortunately, I'm probably going to get roasted for this. I have not seen seen the show at all. I have not watched it, but I've heard good things about the show. And maybe when I have enough time to actually sit down and watch it, I'm, I'm probably going to enjoy it a lot more than I think I am. And But this isn't really needed. This is what you're going to have Carmella do. And... It just, it just, I'm already, at this point, once I get past the UK Women's Championship match, I'm already starting to doze off with this. There's no need for Carmella to actually do anything on this show. You can just leave her off the card for all I care. Right after that, becomes more of a nightmare. With the Riot Squad and six-woman tag action against Sasha Banks, Bailey, and the returning Ivory. So we're going to continue the feud that's been going on pretty much for months now between the Riot Squad, Sasha Banks, and Bayley. We've seen that match. I'd say we're getting close to double digits here. Double digits. We've seen this so many times that I have become bored of it. Yes, yeah, Sasha Banks and Bayley could be a solid tag team. But why are we doing this again? Why are we getting this match 
again. And now you're adding Ivory into the fold. And I like Ivory. She was a great talent, great women's champion. But there's no need for us to see this again. Now, in my mind, I'm already falling asleep. Because this is just raw. Just the women's version of it. I'm literally hoping that this match ends sooner rather than later in my mind. I just I just don't like it. This doesn't need to be happening. And I hope, like I said, this is just a leak card. And I hope they change it really soon. Because if this is what you're going to give us so far, I don't know what to tell you at this point. We're only four matches in. And we still got ten more to talk about. Actually, no, nine more because I already talked about Ronda Rousey and Nikki Bella in the main event. We actually are getting the May Young Classic finale right after the six-woman tag. And it's going to be Tony Storm versus Io Shirai, which is the match I thought was going to happen. Anyway, uh, Tony Storm, um, our participant in last year's tournament, losing in the semifinals of the tournament to Kyrie, to eventual winner Kyrie Sane. And, of course, Iro Shirai, um, who has been a big name over in Japan, of course, in the Stardom promotion, former uh, champion over in Stardom. And this this is the match I'm looking forward to. This was when, I, when they first announced it and they announced who was going to be in a tournament, this was the match I already had in my head. There was no other match that made sense for the finale of the tournament. So this should be fantastic. And I'm excited to see... These two in the ring against each other. I don't know if they ever face each other, but if they haven't, and this is the first time we're actually getting it, this is actually one of those first-time evers where I'm hyped for it. I'm excited. And this bit right here, the UK Women's Championship and Tony Storm versus Ayo Shirai, you can take out everything else in the first six matches that we've talked about, and I would be perfectly perfectly fine with it. If these were your first two matches going out of the gate, I'm hyped for that. But then you have all this bullshit filler here in 2, 3, and 4. Take that out and give me that. I'm good. After the Mae Young Classic finale, we then get a 20-woman battle royal with the women for the winner to face Kyrie Sane for the NXT Women's Championship. I'm okay with it. It gets uh, some women on there. Um... I would have liked, personally, to have, like, a nice little tournament. You know, eight women, you know, have some names in there, names we already know from NXT. Um, just to showcase the women's division. You can have some ladies come, you could have ladies come down from the main roster to NXT and participate in this tournament. That would have been a really nice, a nice little shot in the arm to think, holy shit, you know, making the NXT Women's Championship more prestigious. You know, a, a name like, you know, maybe a Sonya Deville, you could have had her on. A Liv Morgan, you could have had her on there. Um, Asuka, could have had her in a tournament. Why the hell not? Just, to, you know, to get that people, the people thinking like, holy shit, maybe Asuka's coming back to see the title that she never lost. Something like that. You got to give me something to work with. The Battle Royal, I'm okay with. Um, you could have had a few names on there. Maybe a Sasha Banks. Maybe a Bailey. You could have had um, the Iconics in this. Something took for me to work with. I don't know who they're going to have in this match, but I know they have a lot of depth for the NXT Women's Division and the NXT UK Women's Division. So I'm thinking names like Isla Dawn, you know, maybe could be in there. Charlie Morgan, ladies like that. 
So I'm okay with this. Like right now, out of the what seven, you're batting three for seven, which in baseball is not bad, but for wrestling standards, it's not that good. Right after the Battle Royal, we're getting Asuka Ember Moon one more time, and I'm okay with that too. Now we're four for eight. You know, this was a definitely a classic feud that they had down in NXT when they were fighting over the women's championship. I love this feud. When they when they had it go down last year, I was in love with it. So to get this match again is dope. But considering where both Asuka and Ember Moon are right now, it doesn't interest me. I I mean, you just tell me Asuka and Ember Moon, I'm all for it. But just where they are right now makes me concerned about how they're going to build this match. If we're just are they just going to throw it together? Or are they just, you know, are they going to give me something to invest in, you know? The storyline is there. Asuka beat Ember Moon for the title. In, some, in two of the best matches I had ever seen of the women's, of women's wrestling ever. That's just my personal opinion. Right after that, we're getting, this, this is the portion of the show where I feel like I'm going to be on my phone for a majority of this. Naomi Molina. Huh? You you may be scratching your head. This is this is what they had. Naomi versus Molina. What has Naomi done over the past few months besides now getting into a feud with the Iconics? And now we're going to see her in a match with Asuka teaming up together to take on Billy Kay and Peyton Royce. What's the story? This is this is the part of the show where we're just throwing names together. Where we're just put it, picking random names out of a hat. And they're just saying, this is what you're getting. Here you go. We then go into Mickey James versus Lita. This is one of the matches that had already been announced for the card itself. And this is what and this match I am none too pleased with. Um, I know that Mickey James and Trish Stratus, you know, wanted to have a match together to go up against each other because this was one of the one of the greatest women's feuds ever, besides, you know, Lita, Trish Stratus, and all that. I would have liked Trish Stratus and Mickey James to face each other. It would have been a, a nice little throwback, you know, for the fans, you know. And I know these two really wanted to work with each other and put on a solid match for the fans as a sign of, you know, of a thank you to the fans. But we hadn't seen Lita since the Royal Rumble, and we haven't seen her since. So there's nothing much to build on for us. You get what I'm saying? This this is where we're we're in territory where it's just like what what why why is this going down? Why are we getting this match? And if you've seen the card, you you understand what I'm talking about. We then get Kyrie Sane versus the winner of the battle of the battle royal that's going to be going on earlier in the night for the NXT Women's Championship. We pretty much are just saying at this point when there's a rematch between Baszler and Sane, Sane will retain. I would. You know, my mind's, mind's thinking at this point, you know, maybe you do a Shayna Baszler again. But I, at this point, I think, you know, 
maybe it'll be a little too much to have five matches between these two ladies, especially the last two being over having been done over the past, I think, two and a half months. So I wouldn't put Sheena Baszler in that position. But you could have you could have had names like a Sasha Banks. You could have had, you know, something. I don't I don't know who they're gonna have win this battle royal, but if it's if it's worth my while, they'll definitely have someone from the NXT women's division to put in there. You could have a Bianca Belair. That would be a very nice little matchup. I've won insane Belair for a while. Uh, maybe a Candice LeRae out of, you know, winning the Battle Royal out of nowhere. You know, those two could definitely go. But in terms of if they're thinking going heel versus babyface, same Belair might be the most possible choice that you could have here. Then we get to Alexa Bliss versus Trish Stratus. Now, from what I heard, Alexa Bliss asked for this match. And she was granted this. We know that it was the first match that was leaked by the WWE. And I just don't see any reason why we're getting this at all. What has Alexa Bliss done to deserve this match? She has honestly deserved nothing to get this match. Nothing. If I'm, if I'm honestly being truthful, Alexa Bliss doesn't deserve this match. The only person, the only two people that really deserve the match against Trish Stratus would have been Mickey James and Sasha Banks. Mickey James, because they are already, what I spoke about earlier, them wanting to face each other on the card, unfortunately, they didn't get it granted. And Sasha Banks getting the nod because her and Trish actually had something that, you know, had a little segment that went down at the Royal Rumble. You know, that would have been a better match than what we're going to be getting with Bliss and Stratus. I don't know which official in WWE, you know, is thinking that this is going to be a good match. I don't. I can see this just being a shit show. You know, I I don't know if if Stratus really wants to work with Bliss. Who knows? But the fact that we're getting this is is you can just leave that off the card. You can just you could have replaced her with someone else other than Alexa Bliss. She doesn't deserve this match. To be truthfully honest, she doesn't deserve any bit of this at all. This next match, when I saw it, really caught my eye. And not in a good way. It I know there were rumors of a women's tag team championship possibly actually happening. I didn't want to believe it because I didn't think they had the depth to do it. There were rumors of possible tag team titles on both brands. And I heard that on a JD from NY206's podcast. And when I first heard it, I literally wanted to throw up. I didn't want to see it at all. Um, now, now that we know two things have been confirmed, if this is going to be going down. 
you, you're going to have a tag team championship for the women. But I think the only positive that comes out of this is that it's going to be spanned across all brands. Now, I don't know if it's going to go into NXT as well, because I could think of a couple tag teams they could have over there with that. You could have Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox when she returns from Tegan Knox returns from injury with her leg injury. That would be a nice little one-two punch there. Of course, team kick, team fly kicks. That would be nice. Uh, Lacey Evans and Aaliyah, if they want to go that route. But if they're going to expand it across all brands, you got to make sure you have the depth of the ladies with this. They have enough ladies to do so, but if they're not fighting for the, the branch championships. But who they have in the match is what kind of confuses me. They have Alicia Fox and Kelly Kelly as a tag team. Alicia Fox has been irrelevant for God knows how long, even with her being by the side of Alexa Blish. She still seems irrelevant. And then you have Kelly Kelly, who for some reason they consider a legend. In WWE. I think. I mean she had a. Okay run with the. Divas championship back in the day. Was that my freaking tablet? Yeah I forgot every time I say. Uh, Miss Bliss's first name and my tablet goes off. That's going to be a running joke. For a while. God damn it. Um, I, I don't like the pairing. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't know why they would even have this go down. Um. This is this is the part where I say, you know, you could have taken those two out and had a Sasha Banks Bailey tag team in there. You could have put the Riot Squad in there. Work with me, Vince. Just work with me here. Come on. I'm trying to enjoy your product, but what you're giving me is trash in this team. Now, the iconics, Peyton Royce and Billy Kay, that makes sense. You know, they are a tag team, but they are just haven't been built up that well. Um, I think, you know, the crowds, you know, chanting boring is actually, you know, warranted. They've really done, they've really given them nothing to work with, especially upon their debut. Um, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, that's a decent choice for the... Women's Tag Team Championship, I can, I can, I guess, roll with that, but no, I can't rock with that. Nope, I can't rock with it at all. I lied. I'm lying to myself. This, this doesn't make sense to me. Um, I, I, yeah, no, I can't roll with it, man. The only team in this match, besides the Iconics, that makes sense is Beth Phoenix and Natalia. They are best friends. They are friends outside. Of the squared circle. I can roll with it. Um, when If I'm looking at this match right now. And I had to pick a winner. Phoenix and Natalia would probably make the most sense. But I don't know if Beth Phoenix would be willing to make a return to the company. If she's willing not to do a, a one-off. You know what I mean? I'm not sure. I don't know. I really honestly don't know. But... The only two teams that make sense in this match are Peyton Royce and Billy Kay and Beth Phoenix and Natalia. If you take out Alicia Fox and Kelly Kelly and take out Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville and put in Tasha Banks and Bailey, 
and I guess the Riot Squad, I would enjoy I would enjoy this Fatal 4-Way a lot more. If there are another two teams you can probably pick in there, let me know on my Twitter, at SwedeSenatorWWY. We could definitely make a conversation out of that, for sure. But, I mean, if you're going to have women's tag titles, I, I guess it could work. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just looking at uh, Red Zone. I got the Red Zone on right now, and I got my fantasy team going. I think Chris Hogan just caught, caught a touchdown. Um, yeah, he did. Okay. Sorry. I, I'm rambling there. But I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure what the belts gonna what the belts are going to look like, and I know there were rumors of belts being made for the women's tag team titles. So if you, there's rumors of women's tag title, if there's a, a, any title that's being brought out, it's more than likely a legitimate thing. I did hear a rumor that the hardcore and European titles were considered to make a return in 2019. And I think that's freaking garbage because it doesn't need, we don't need any more titles, especially the hardcore and European titles. Cause it does, doesn't make sense when with the hardcore title, you it's a PG program. You can't do it like they used to do it. If it was TV 14, then yes, I'm all for it. But when was the last time you actually saw a TV 14 show in WWE. What? Middle 2000s? That's about it. That's all you get. And finally, we're going to round out this opening segment talking about, of course, Becky Lynch and Charlotte. And this, honestly, in my opinion, should be the main event. There is no other match on this card that screams main event like Becky Lynch and Charlotte. So between Hell in a Cell to Evolution... I think we're going to get this match. I think we're going to get four out of this. And that's considering the fact that they may do it at SmackDown 1000. But at least we're going to get three matches out of this. Of course, we're going to get Hell in a Cell. Evolution. Now can more than likely confirmed. And then either the Super Showdown and the... Possible SmackDown 1000 show. I don't know. Maybe they face each other at SmackDown 1000. Maybe they don't. But when you look up and down this 14-match card, to be truthfully honest, out of the 14, maybe five I would be interested in. Five out of 14. That's a in, in baseball, that's a pretty solid batting average to start your year. In football, that's a pretty shit record. That'd be five and nine. That's a bad record to start off your season. If you're already five and nine in football, you're pretty much asking for uh, we're not gonna be in the playoffs. We're gonna be a middle of the pack draft pick. But this goes to show what Vince McMahon has thought of. I know, and of course, Stephanie McMahon is going to be there. But to me, this is not a women's evolution. This isn't even a women's revolution. This is a women's regression. If you honestly think about it. I honestly don't get it. If this this is legitimately the card in five weeks' time, They should be ashamed of themselves. Naomi versus Melina. I can't get, I'm, I can't, I'm just like literally staring at this card. And I'm thinking like, 
every person, every person who's going to listen to this is going to be probably thinking in their head, I could book this shit better right now. You take out the ones I don't like, take out the nine matches, take out the nine segments of the show that are going to be shit. I guess, okay, six. I'll say six because of the Battle Royal and the NXT Women's Championship. I guess I, I counted in that. Take all that out. Add something else in. And then you can create your own show. And this is going if this is gonna be four hours long, I may be asleep by two. Two hours in. Just this I'll give you an at least you tried cake, a la Bart Simpson. And if you've seen the GIF on GIF on Twitter, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But if this is all Vince and Stephanie McMahon's doing, an A for effort, but an F across the board. Maybe a D minus. Okay, possibly a D. Just of what we're going to get out of it. I can't... This is the pay-per-view. Now, in my mind right now, what was the pay-per-view after the greatest Royal Rumble? No Mercy? No, it's either No Mercy or Extreme Rules is the worst pay-per-view in WWE right now of 2018. Either one of those. If this is what we're going to be getting in Long Island, I would expect Long people, the fans who are going to be in the building in Long Island to walk out. In packs, like not like maybe a, a few hundred here will leave. Maybe towards the main event, they're going to be so restless that they're going to be tired as fuck and we're just going to go home. Uh, I'm not saying there's going to be a uh, chance of beat the traffic, but I wouldn't be surprised given that it's going to be the Northeast. But this isn't anything to write home about. It really isn't. And I'm going to keep saying this until he does it. Vince McMahon, walk away. Give Triple H the keys to the throne. Sit back and watch what it's supposed to be done when you have great booking Great storylines and matches and storylines I care about. Because if if the, if this is the car we're getting, the tickets ain't selling. I don't I don't know how many seats are in the Nassau Coliseum. I didn't look it up prior to. Usually I try to get my research on that, but there's a reason I'm hearing stories of the tickets for the show aren't as good as we we thought they were. I heard something around like 7,000. And I'm just going to guess that the Nassau Coliseum maybe holds about 12,000. For any of the Islanders fans out there who used to go to Islanders games at the Nassau Coliseum, let me know on Twitter. That's Wade Senator WWI. Let me know. I want to know how many seats are in the Nassau Coliseum. Because you may get 8,000, 9,000 seats and not fill the arena at all. But enough of me rambling. I got to get up the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view on my TV. This is episode nine of the Young Lions Perspective. With that being said, let us begin.
What's going on, guys? Zach from the Wrestling with Issues Podcast here. Welcome to episode nine of the Young Lions Perspective. So glad to have you guys here today checking out the show. I greatly appreciate it. And we're not going to waste any time. We're going to talk about the latest episode of NXT, which started off with the NXT champion Tommaso Ciampa storming past interviewers as he walked into the building. He had a really serious look on his face. And he was looking forward to cutting a promo that would happen later on in the night. Uh, the action started off with the returning tag team of Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch going up against uh, newcomer Adrian Jowd and recurring character Cesar Bononi. This was a bit of a quick match, uh, a little bit of action going on. Uh, the end of this match actually saw uh, Birch, Danny Birch, um, Getting away from uh, Jowd when, while he was working on his arm for a good majority of the match. Finally tags working in, landing some heavy chops to the face, running European uppercuts to both opponents, hitting a running blockbuster on both men. And then uh, Birch tags back in, double-teaming high-angle implant DDT, finished off the match, uh, giving Lorkin and Birch the victory upon their return. I'm really happy to see these two return to the uh, tag team division, of course, after... Uh, Lorcan had an injury, I believe it was to his knee, uh, following their match at uh, TakeOver Chicago against the Undisputed Era for the Tag Team Championships. And if you had not seen that match, that match was a very great way to open up TakeOver Chicago 2. Really, really great match between those two, uh, these four men. They really put on a show and really proved that uh, Lorcan and Birch really could uh, have a standing in the Tag Team division. We then go to uh, the Champa's promo segment, as I was uh, referring to a little bit earlier on. Uh, he actually came out with uh, actual entrance music for the first time since uh, becoming NXT champion. Uh, I really loved uh, the music that he had. And uh, he said that his music is a personal message to each of his opponents over the last few weeks. He mocked all the people who had been pointing the finger at him for possibly attacking Aleister Black. Uh, he said that when he wants to attack someone, he will do it on the biggest stage so all eyes are on him. He then says he wants to also know who decided to take out Black before he even had a chance. He then goes on to say that even if Black had made it to take over, it wouldn't have mannered. Gargano loses. Black loses. I win. That was his main focus uh, of this promo that... Uh, it would none of this would have mattered with Black being there or not. He admires the title for a second. The crowd really just laying in on him, yelling at him, booing him. And I love the fact that they are making Champa as champion as a heel the most important thing in NXT. The whole feud with Gargano and Champa has been one of the most important feuds, not just on the show as of late, but Truly in NXT's history, this is going to go down in one of the biggest rivalries ever. And I love Champa just going out and laying into the crowd. He then finished off the promo by saying that if someone wants to be a winner, that they should follow his lead. He raises the title high in the air, ending the promo. And on his way out, he actually rips away a Champa suck sign away from a kid. And just rips it up in front of the crowd. And they lay into him more, booing him even more. 
and that and the segment there. I love Champa as a heel. He just he just makes it work so well for him. I love the creative team down in NXT doing just basically just showing him as just a top heel in the company. And I said on Twitter uh, recently, he is one of my three top heels in the company right now, along with Samoa Joe and Shayna Baszler. They just, they're doing Joe so right um, on the main roster. And he's looking like a very proper heel. And they're doing even better with Champa as a heel champion. He's just grown so well into his own. That it was just fantastic, of a fantastic promo by Champa. We then get into a, a match featuring former women's champion Shayna Baszler going up against uh, Violet Payne here. Uh, before the match even started, the crowd was already starting to chant, Shayna's gonna kill you. And that's one of those chants that I really love. And Shayna is a definite killer. Um, Within NXT, she is definitely one of the best women across the board for NXT. And she definitely showed it here. Uh, she takes pain down to the mat, swings away at her, and uh, gets back up. Kicks her in the chest, wrenches away at Payne's arm one way, then another way. Stands on her hand and kicks at her, at her arm the same way she actually did to Dakota Kai. Uh, she immediately goes for the rear naked choke. The Kirafuda clutch ended things very quickly. Um, Payne passes out, uh, and Shayna Baszler gets the victory with the Kirafuda clutch. After the match ended, Baszler, after getting her hand raised in victory, she decides to go back to locking her finisher again on Payne, and Payne actually passes out. It took about three or four referees to get her to stop choking her out. Um, I actually heard the crowd at one point saying one more time, one more time. Um, so she goes back to uh, putting uh, the Kira Vuda clutch on pain, then dumps her out to the floor and heads out of the ring, ending the segment. I know somewhere down the line before Evolution, I know she was she's probably going to be invoking that rematch clause for the NXT Women's Championship. And I know that rematch is going to be absolutely fantastic uh her and Sane have been showing a very fantastic feud as of late especially for the past couple of months that led into brooklyn with Sane winning the championship uh we then see uh heavy machinery outside and on the case trying to figure out who attacked alistair black both men believe had champa had done it and of course champa happened to be walking by them as they were talking about Champa be the one to attack Aleister Black. Champa approaches them and says if they have something to say, say it to his face. Uh, luckily, Regal showed up and says to Champa that he's happy. He finally decided to show up and tells Champa to go into his office immediately. Um, so this actually led to uh, Otis Dozovich having going to have a match somewhere down the line. I believe either next week or the week this coming Wednesday. Or the week after, they're going to be going up one on one. I believe they're going to talk. They're going to be doing it this Wednesday. Um, don't hold me to that. I'm not exactly sure, but that's definitely going to be a match between the two. We then see the undisputed era talk about the War Raiders. Uh, Roderick Strong said that they can't hide from these guys. 
Kyle O'Reilly then says he's too famous to hide, that he can't even go grocery shopping these days without being noticed. Adam Cole then said next week, this coming Wednesday, it will be NXT North American Champion Ricochet versus NXT UK Champion Pete Dunne in the Champions vs. Champion match for with both titles being on the line. He then says it doesn't matter who wins, though, because the winner is eventually going to have to face him. And I'm really excited for Ricochet Pete Dunne. This has definitely been leading up to this match, especially after last week's episode uh, in the tag match between Ricochet and Dunne going up against uh, the Undisputed Era. Of course, they're, uh, after their match, they were seen arguing in the back. And this led to William Regal making the match between himself and Dunne. And, that, and more likely, that's going to be the main event this coming Wednesday. I'm very excited for this match. I don't think there will be a winner in this matchup. I have the strange feeling that Undisputed Era will get involved. And don't be surprised if Adam Cole's the one that's the main guy getting involved in the match. I know since Cole lost the title to Ricochet at TakeOver Brooklyn, he has had his eyes on getting the North American title back into his grasp. So that should be... So keep an eye on that going forward. We then got Lars Sullivan going up against Raul Mendoza. Uh, this coming from an attack that Sullivan had last week, um, attacking Mendoza. Uh, before before that match, he attacked EC3 and uh, didn't came out to the ring and just beat the living shit out of Mendoza. Um, early on, Mendoza was able to avoid Sullivan, uh, landed a couple good kicks, got some momentum, hitting a springboard kick, but then he gets planted to the mat. Sullivan launched him across the ring, uh, gets a big splash in the corner, tosses him again, hits huge blows that were that looked like it hurt Mendoza like a motherfucker, really bad. Um, but Mendoza was able to hit a jawbreaker, got a kick in, dodged a charging Sullivan to the ring post. Uh, Mendoza continues his uh, kick fest, uh, gets a springboard drop kick, but gets caught with a pop-up power slam. Uh, Sullivan hits a couple more clubbing blows to the side of the head, hits the freak accident, one, two, three, and that ended the night for Raul Mendoza with Lars Sullivan getting the pinfall. We then saw uh, a video package from uh, a couple of weeks ago with Ricochet and Pete Dunne losing to the Undisputed Era, like I spoke about before in the promo segment, um, where Ricochet mistakenly hit Dunne near the end of the match with a, uh, with a suicide dive through the ropes. Um, Pete Dunne was asked then, uh, they did a, video, uh, a little promo early in the day, Asking about his upcoming match against Ricochet uh, with both titles on the line. Dunn said that Ricochet has a piece of gold that he wants and has only had it for a few minutes while he's been the longest reigning champion in WWE. And that's an actual fact. He is now with uh, Brock Lesnar out of the way, losing his championship to Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. I believe Dunn's over uh, 400 days as champion. He has held that belt very for a long time, I believe, since TakeOver Chicago won last year that he's held that belt. And he's had it, defended it a couple times, of course, against Tyler Bate and Zach Gibson. I know, I believe uh, Noam Dar at this very moment is the current number one contender for the NXT UK Championship, making his return at the UK uh, Championship Tournament. Night, I believe night two, he got the shot when it was supposed to be a triple threat match that turned into a fatal four-way by... Uh, GM Johnny Saint making the call to get him back into the fold. He then says he will. He then said at the end, 
his biggest issue is figuring out how to put the two titles in his mouth. Right after that segment, we got Kathy Kelly backstage asking Ricochet about Dunn not worrying about the match because Ricochet has only been a champion for a short period of time. He reminds Kathy that he's been in high-pressure situations for the last 15 years of his career and fully plans on walking out with both titles next week and this coming Wednesday. This is a very highly anticipated match. I can see this being one of the best TV matches all year, if not a possible match of the year candidate. So, I mean, the hype is there. They've been hyping this up for a couple weeks. I've seen on Twitter that it is going absolutely insane. People are really talking about this. People are ready to see this match go down. After that, we got a little bit of a vignette from the newest uh, push tag team, the Forgotten Sons. Um, talking about being abandoned once they are used up as we see the three of them alone. They then gather together and say they are not alone and that they will be heard. I love the Forgotten Sons so far after their segment they had with uh, William Regal, them getting an opportunity. They went up against the Street Profits. I believe they they got the victory against the Street Profits. And I know they're going to be a tag team that's going to be pushed moving forward. I, I had spoken with, I believe, I forget who it was, but the, I believe it's who, the Who Got Next podcast. And shout out to them, man. They are a fantastic podcast to listen to. They have they talk about NXT across the board. They have their shit together. And they are a great follow on Twitter. I talked to them as, be, as much as I could during NXT programming. And they are the shit. They have their shit together when it comes to NXT programming. So they are, definitely follow them on Twitter. I believe it's Who Got Next Pod. Uh, just look up for Who, ne- Who Got Next Podcast and you can find them on there. They are fantastic. They they talk to you. Uh, if you definitely got a good opinion on NXT and you have some knowledge of the product, they definitely know which talk. I mean, they're fantastic. I got to show love to them completely. So we see some uh, students being interviewed. Uh, I guess student people from the Performance Center, uh, prospects trying to make their name for themselves in the PC. When we suddenly see uh, Aaliyah and Lacey Evans start drawing with Dakota Kai, uh, just them drawing at each other back and forth. Deanna Perrazzo comes out, and comes out and says, if there's a problem, they can handle things right now. Uh, Evans and Alina say, no, thank you, and they bounce, ending the segment there. This actually led to Regal announcing that Lacey Evans and Aaliyah will be facing Dakota Kai and Deanna Perrazzo this coming Wednesday on NXT. So it's going to be really fun to see the women's division uh, evolve even more going forward. I've been saying with the NXT women, they have been fantastic as of late. The depth that they have as of right now and what they're going to be getting after the Mae Young Classic. Um, I know Lacey Lane was definitely one of the first few signees to join the uh, the PC, so we're going to be seeing her hopefully sometime, I would say sometime next year, which would be fan-fucking-tastic. She, uh, I saw her match. Who was the name? Oh, now I'm really going to be so mad at myself. I forget. I, I unfortunately forget who she faced in the, in the first round matchup, but she got the victory there, moving on to the, uh, the quarterfinals. But she's definitely someone to look forward to. Maybe Zaya Brookside uh, might be getting signed to the company, hopefully in the NXT UK version. I did see she added the WWE to her name. Maybe it's just there uh, just for the tournament, and they maybe keep keeping a, an eye on her moving forward. But if they put her in the NXT UK side of things, that would be absolutely fantastic we go back into williams office and they finished talking and they just finished the conversation uh with Kyrie Singh, and she was looking all types of uh wonderful 
I'm not trying to be a little uh, bitch boy here, but she was looking fantastic in a little black dress. Just going to put it out there. Kyrie saying, lovely lady. Glad she's the NXT champion. But she heads out, and in comes Cash's Ono. And he and he was actually rocking a Cesaro Tyson Kid shirt, which was uh, really cool to see. I, I know I haven't seen that shirt in a long time. But uh, he says to Regal that he's here to talk about the attack on Aleister Black. But Regal said to him, I have nothing to speak with him, you about. Uh, ono kind of seemed a little flustered by the fact that Regal says that. And uh, Regal tells Ono that Sane actually gave him an alibi. So he's pretty much out of the running in, uh, in terms of, you know, him being the one that attacked Aleister Black. And, unfo- and which kind of sucks for me because now I have to eat some crow and a bit of Hunnable Pie. And when I, I did say that Ono was probably like the top suspect in the case, given the fact that he know he is friends with Gargano and Champa, and that he did he may have had some motive to go after Black, trying to uh, make a name for himself in NXT again. But he says to Regal that he is being a bit annoyed that he's being forgotten about when every new shiny toy shows up to NXT. He lets uh, Regal know that when his latest toy shows up to let him know, bro, thus referring to Matt Riddle. And I believe they're foreshadowing a future Cassius Ono Matt Riddle feud in the future whenever Riddle makes his NXT debut. That would be something I'll be a really I think that'll be a really nice feud for Riddle to start off with. With a guy with a talent like Ono, I mean, I would say he's in, he's in somewhere in like the gatekeeper position in a sense where he's helping put over guys. But I mean, it wouldn't be surprising to me if he actually got a victory over Riddle and then it may be culminating with something at War Games. We're not sure yet. I mean, we're just starting a bit of this going forward, but it would be really nice to see Cassius Ono, Matt Riddle go one-on-one somewhere down the line. We get into the main event of the sh- of the show this uh, last week, which which uh, Bianca Belair taking on Nikki Cross in a really really good matchup. Uh, of course, Bianca Belair at that until the matchup was eight and zero. This is a really good stat: eight and zero in televised NXT matches. So she definitely makes a case to somewhere down the line getting a top contender spot and facing Kyrie Sane for the NXT Women's Championship. And referring back to the opening segment that I talked about with the leaked Evolution card, it wouldn't surprise me if Belair was the one to win the Battle Royal and face Kyrie Sane for the NXT Women's title at Evolution. Do not be surprised if she gets the nod to face Sane and put on a good show there. But the match started off with uh, Cross charging in, getting shoved back and forth. Uh, she just laughs at Belair. I mean, I love Nikki Cross. I love the way she portrays her character. Of course, you know, being a member of Sanity, she's just absolutely nuts. And I thoroughly enjoy that. Belair tries to get in some offense. Cross keeps avoiding her. Um, she then screams at Belair, uh, who fell back a little bit, and she was a bit scared. A lot of her opponent, a lot of Cross's opponents, really are somewhat intimidated by her because of the way she goes about things in the rain. But uh, Belair started taunting her a little bit, cross taunts her back, uh, and then follows up with a, and then um, 
Belair hits a hurricane runner on Cross. Um, Cross then jumps on Belair's back for the sleeper. Belair counters with a backbreaker, uh, goes for a cover, gets a two count. Uh, Belair then drives her shoulder into Cross in the corner, lifts her up, and gets in a bear hug. This was getting really, really big, really, really quick. Cross then gets out of it, goes for a crossbody, gets caught. Belair picks her up, and it, she's got some strength on, on her. Just because she's Mrs. Montez 4 don't mean shit, but she's got one hell of a military press on Cross and drops her all the way to the mat. The crowd really started getting into it at this point, as did I, because I was really invested uh, in these two women. Uh, Beller goes for the big splash, uh, misses with that, Cross gets out of the way, hits some clotheslines and stomps away at Belair. Cross then hits splash in the corner, heads up to the top rope, Belair rolls out to the apron. Cross trips up Belair, traps her in the apron, and hammers her way on a frustrated Belair. Cross then gets launched into the steps, and uh, Belair, with that long-ass braid that's like four feet long, I may be exaggerating, starts whipping her with the braid. I love when that she uses that braid as a weapon. It adds a little bit more depth to, for, to her offense, minus the fact that she's, you know, she's got the strength of the uh, military press, and everything else that comes with her, just that braid as a, as a whole. And she showed it a lot last year, I believe when she was in the May Young Classic, showing off that braid in action, that it's very, very effective. It's something to look out for. You never know when she's going to use it. And when she does use it, you can just hear that whipping sound on the opponent's back. And she can definitely use that to her advantage, especially if she, just, if she does get inserted into the Women's Championship match against Kyrie Singh. Belair tries to get back in the ring. Cross jumps on her back again for another sleeper. Bella stumbles around and ends up smashing Cross down on the metal ramp. Uh, at the same time, the referee is uh, administering his 10 count. He actually got to the count of 10 and ended in a double count out. So there was no winner here due to that. Uh, I do like the fact that it did end in a double count out. It keeps Belair undefeated and... Cross doesn't take a loss here either. Uh, I wasn't. I was kind of shocked by it initially, but then after the match had ended, I really understood what they were trying to do. They're trying to keep Belair strong as well as Cross going forward, and now they have a little bit of a rivalry. Uh, after the match, they continued to f- swing away at each other. Referees trying to break them up. They continue fighting out in the crowd. Belair swings away, dumps Cross over the announce table. Cross then climbs up and hits a crossbody on Bel Air, hitting a couple referees, and and that and that is how we ended the show uh, on this past Wednesday. Cross on the ground, smiling after the crossbody as the show ended. This was a really good episode. This was a good episode for NXT. Um, a lot of things, good things happened here. We had we now have a feud starting between uh, Bianca Belair and Nikki Cross. So I'm really excited to see how that goes moving forward, especially as we head into October and the Evolution pay-per-view. Maybe this is a match we could get maybe at War Games. Hope I'm not sure, but this will definitely be a nice feud to see moving forward. Uh, Champa, of course, cutting a, a really fantastic promo like he always does. Lars Sullivan getting back into the fold. We're going to be getting Ricochet and Pete Dunne in the main event. Title... Versus title. Both titles are going to be on the line. We're going to see women's action with Evans and Aaliyah against Kai and Perrazzo. I'm really excited about that because I saw Perrazzo um, on the May Young Classic episode when she faced against Priscilla Kelly. 
And that was a really good match between the two. And we'll definitely be talking about that in, in just a moment. But NXT just gets it. And I'm going to keep saying it until they don't get it. Wednesday night is truly the best night of the week for professional wrestling. I mean, I was listening to um, Solo Monster earlier today when I was on my break at work. And he was talking about how bad Raw has been, Raw and SmackDown have been. Of course, Raw in particular, where he, he, did a, he posted a poll for both shows like he always does. I've seen it plenty on there. Um, and usually, for the most part, he usually does thumbs up, thumbs down. But now he does thumbs up, thumbs down, and I think didn't even watch. And he said on both of his polls, and this was not a coincidence, it just somehow ended up that way, that 56% of the people who had voted, I think it was 4,000 plus for the Raw uh, poll, and then a little over 2,500, 56% said they didn't even watch the episode. And he wasn't really surprised about the fact that a majority of people who voted for the show didn't even care to watch the show because the shows have just been increasingly terrible week after week after week. That you should, if you, and you, if you ever wonder why I don't discuss Raw and SmackDown on the Young Lions Perspective show itself, or even attempt to talk about it anywhere else on my Twitter. On Instagram, I'm trying to get more into Instagram talking about that, but it's very frustrating to even attempt to watch it, to watch Raw, especially trying to, uh, you know, watch three hours of a product that literally the last two weeks have given you the same fucking episode that you got the week prior, literally segment for segment, match for match. The same shit over and over and over. And creative doesn't get it. Get your heads out of your asses, creative, and give me something better. Especially what we saw last night at Hell in a Cell. It, it, you have to give me something. You have to give the fans something that they can you know, chew on. It's a nice, nice, like a nice medium rare steak that just came off the grill. You know, you'll let it rest for a little bit. You know what I mean? Then you know once it's once it's rested, you got a little potatoes, a little little broccoli. You chew into that first bite of the steak, and it's just that good. You know it's got that nice chew to it. It it just it goes down easy. Swallow it, fantastic. You get another bite right after that. That's what NXT does for me. It's like a nice medium rare steak that just you know you sink your teeth into it, and it's so good. It's so delightful. It's refreshing. It's really. It's different than getting the burnt piece of shit that um, your auntie tried to cook and she fucked it up. You know what I mean? I mean that's the only thing. That, that's the first thing that just popped into my head. But that's the that's the big difference between the main roster and NXT is that NXT gives you something to invest in week after week, knowing that we have Ricochet done. You have the women's tag match coming up. We now have, you know, Champa moving forward. Lars Sullivan's back into the fold. Ono versus Riddle is a possibility. The Forgotten Sons are now starting to make headway in the tag team division. You're going to have the feud between the War Raiders and Undisputed Era going forward for the tag team championships moving forward as we ha- as we start to, uh, the ascent, as I call it, towards War Games on Survivor Series weekend. This is going, this is, this is the night for you. Wednesday night is your night. 
if you don't watch Raw and SmackDown and you just watch post uh, Raw and SmackDown shows like Joe Cronin, you check it out, uh, Sledgehammer TV, um, JD from NY206, any other, uh, uh, the NAI uh, New Age Insider Insiders uh, show on Twitter that they have when they have that, when they do their post show stuff, you know, shows like that. They'd rather watch that than what we're getting on Monday Night Raw. And considering the fact that tonight we are, and I'm actually recording uh, the rest of the show on today is Monday. Um, tonight is going to be my Seattle Seahawks going up against the Chicago Bears in Chicago. And also we have the Emmys going down tonight. So if you're a, if you're a fan of football, you're probably gonna watch the football game. If you have, um, any party in fantasy, uh, like myself, I'm going up against, you know, uh, one of the guys who has actually my quarterback, Russell Wilson and my number two wide receiver, Brandon Marshall. And that's going to be an interesting matchup to see how well that goes about. I'm kind of concerned. For that, I mean, I'm trying to get the victory in my fantasy league, but I kind of want the Seahawks to actually gain some ground and get a victory. But I just, you know, I'm up about 50 some 50 some odd points, you know what I mean? So I'm hoping, you know, he doesn't go the route of Patrick Mahomes getting six touchdowns and Brandon Marshall going the route of A.J. Green, who got about 29 points in my other league. I'm trying to, you know, but when you have now Monday Night Football, and the Emmys tonight, do not be surprised if fans start to turn away. I mean, the only main thing that Raw's going to have tonight is The Undertaker coming back for a promo. I mean, you have the whole Roman Reigns, Strowman deal with Brock Lesnar after what happened with that at the main event of Hell in a Cell. And that's what we have going forward. So I'm looking forward to NXT this coming Wednesday. It's going to be the shit. We got a lot to sink into. And that's how we're going to end NXT we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get into the May Young Classic episode two. Now, when I said quick break, I'm in a quick break. We're getting right into the May Young Classic episode two. I really wanted to talk about this episode. Um, before I start talking about episode two, I just want to go back to episode one real quick and really show some love to. Um, in particular, three people. I want to talk about uh, Rhea Ripley real quick. Um, I love, I have loved for the past year, Rhea Ripley's transformation from where she was last year in the May Young Classic as just a newcomer, um, who a former soccer player, uh, had, the, had the really athletic look and really was a true babyface. I love it. Now she's come back this year as a tr- hardcore heel. Um, her outfit has changed. She's more metal punk rock. Um, her demeanor has changed. Her mannerism has changed. And I really like how she's really transformed over the past year or so. I do follow her on Instagram. So I really have been keeping an eye on her. As of late, I know she's going to be part of the NXT UK uh, brand going forward. Um, so for the, so to add her into the UK, uh, UK women's division is quite fantastic. So, uh, in her match against MJ Jenkins, very physical match. I thoroughly enjoyed every bit of it. Um, MJ really put in some effort there. I love the whole match between these two. I thought it was going to be my match of the night between those two until we got to the main event, which saw Killer Kelly and uh, Miko uh, Satamura, um, who to most people is a true legend of women's wrestling, uh, not just in Japan, but around the world. A lot of ladies who are in the business really do look up to her as one of the uh, biggest names to come out of women's, to just be a top women's wrestler. And 
Mako Satomura set out to, you know, just like challenge herself and to, you know, to have her in a tournament with a name like her and not just Ayo Shirai is fantastic. Uh, she did tell her story about, you know, how she was in WCW when she was only 16 years old, uh, but said that she didn't have a finisher and she was unable to win her match. Uh, Killer Kelly, of course, part of the UK women's uh, division over there. Excuse me. Um, I like Killer Kelly. I did see her in action in the triple threat match to determine the number one contender spot for uh, Shayna Baszler. At the time, for Shayna Baszler's NXT Women's Championship. And then I saw her again in night two, I believe, when she went uh, one-on-one against Charlie Morgan. She's a damn good talent. Um, The first ever Portuguese woman to be a part of the WWE. So, I mean, it's not just, you know, ladies from all over the world. It's just setting a standard. You know, we had the first lady from Chile come in a tournament. Uh, Zatara, I think, was in the tournament when she went up against Tegan Knox. And that was a, a bit of a good match between those two. And I really thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, we're just getting a lot of, you know, we're getting talent from around the world. And it shows, you know, not only that, you know, it's just in North America and the UK and Japan, but this is worldwide now. We're getting... They're really handpicking talent from around the world, and that really sh- it's going to really show in this tournament with all the ladies that are going to be involved. But starting off the episode, we had Diana Perrazzo, the virtuosa, going up against Priscilla Kelly, who is actually, uh, if you are a fan of the indie scene, she's actually the manager for uh, I believe I believe he's still the FIP World Champion. Austin Theory, if I'm wrong, correct me. Let me know. I want to make sure I keep up with everything. Uh, outside of WWE and NXT, and of course, New Japan as well. Um, she was, uh, they actually made a note of this, that um, she was reckoned, she was known from being in uh, the show My Big Fat American Gypsy Wedding uh, back in 2012, which is very interesting. Now, I don't watch, really watch TV outside of, you know, professional wrestling and um, just sports that I watch. I try I try not to limit my TV watching as much as I can. I just try to keep it to, you know, wrestling and then just sports because that's I mostly care about that. I really don't watch, you know, TV shows like Big Bang Theory or, you know, NCIS. Every once in a while I'll watch Law and Order and all that. But that's another story for another day. Um Peraza, I like the the fact that they have the backgrounds. Showing off the backgrounds of these two. Of course, Perazzo being an alternate in last year's tournament uh, she said that uh, she decided to make the next 12 months the most impressive period of her career so far. She's had appearances in Ring of Honor. Of course, I believe she was in the uh, Women of Honor tournament to determine the first ever uh, Women of Honor champion, which currently is Sumi Sakai. Um, so that's a pretty sweet thing. Uh, and I believe in All In, Tennille Dashwood said she was the next in line to face Sakai for the uh, Women Women of Honor championship. So that's going to be an interesting match. Uh, hopefully I get to check that out or I'll be able to find it. Or I might have to subscribe to Honor Club. Fuck. Uh, she's also done uh, Impact Wrestling. She's had tours of Japan under her belt. She's also been in Progress Wrestling as well. And now after a year of putting crazy work in uh, the Hackensack New Jersey product, which I'm proud to say I'm from Jersey as well. So, you know, to see her in the tournament is very fantastic. Um Priscilla Kelly, like I said before, manager of Austin Theory, um, and a girlfriend, I believe, of Darby Allen. Um, I've I've started to follow these women on Instagram to get a, a little bit more sense of, you know, who these women are, especially if you know if, if in the future 
They're going to be joining the NXT product, whether it be in the UK or in uh, the NXT developmental scene. I really want to get to know them so I have a better idea of these women going forward. And that's what the tournament provides us. Names that we've never heard of before or we may have heard of, but we never really gotten a full grasp of who they are coming into the scene and actually showing off what they can do. So she used so Priscilla Kelly in particular has only three three years of in-ring experience since then and um she has used wrestling to break free of of the strip upbringing uh to portray her sinister goth character that we now see today. Um it was a really good match between these two. A lot of technical wrestling exchanges, a good amount of submission attempts between the two. Um, a lot of back and forth between Peraza and Kelly. Uh, I knew who Peraza was, so I already knew what she what she's a Fujiwara armbar specialist. That's her main finisher, but I never really saw Kelly in the ring before. And she is quite the talent. Um, her look is, uh, they did say, um, and I thought of this myself, that she did have that page look, you know, that golf look when she first came into the, uh, NXT and then the WWE when she made her uh, name as a member of the main roster. So that was uh, definitely comparisons there. But both ladies were definitely going for the submissions. Um, they put each other in crazy uh, submissions. But in the end, uh, Perazzo locked in her Fu- Fujiwara armbar, gained the victory and getting her first victory in the tournament. She was definitely emotional after the match. Of course, Priscilla Kelly, uh, very frustrated with her performance as she uh, gets ousted from the tournament. We then uh, got... Ariel Monroe and uh, Zuxis. Uh, these are two names I had never heard before. Um, what I learned from that is Ariel Monroe is actually the wife of current cruiserweight champion Cedric Alexander, and she was actually trained by her her now husband uh, when she first came into the business. Uh, I liked her. I like her swagger. I like her confidence. Uh, I like the way she carries herself when she comes out to the ring. The crowd definitely was behind her when she first came out. They, she definitely got a pop immediately from the crowd, so they definitely knew who she was. I didn't know, um, but I definitely got to understand more of her with the matchup. Uh, now, from this is all from the mirror that I'm checking it out from. Uh, this is actually saying she has a loud mouth and the moves to back it up. Now, uh, as far as uh, Zuxis goes, she's, of course, a veteran in the world of Lucha Libre, a decade of experience. She's... Uh, wrestled in Mexico and Japan. Um, she combines the strength of, uh, you know, Lucha Libre and Strong Style, which I really, really like uh, about her when I was watching this match. Um, they opened the matchup with uh, Monroe trash-talking Zuxis. Um, Zuxis actually went for her hair in the beginning. She has a, a very unique head style with the uh, shaved hair on the sides and green hair up top. So Zuxis was going for her hair, and Monroe backed away and said, whoa, 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 whoa. She said, if you ever try to touch my hair again, I'm going to pop you in the mouth. Which got the crowd really, really hyped for this. And then, at this point, is where Zuxis started to use that, act, to actually use that against Ariel Monroe. She started, you know, grabbing the hair, ragdolling her around, throwing her around, hitting her with a strong style, kicks fist, elbows. This was a really solid match between the two. I really thought towards the end, Ariel Monroe was going to get the victory here. Boy, was I wrong when uh, Ariel Monroe was on the top rope. Zuxis comes up top, runs up to the top rope, climbs the ropes, just no hands, 
catches her and hits a crazy Spanish fly off the top rope and got got her the pin and the victory here, which really shocked the crowd. They panned at the end of the match to uh, Alexander and his son. That was and their son that was actually in the crowd. And you could see him crying. Uh, Zuxi's played the heel role to a T in this matchup. Actually looking over at Alexander and uh, her, their son doing the crybaby face as most heels do. Like, oh, are you going to cry type deal? I love that. Um, so Zuxi's moves on to the corner finals here. We then uh, got the debut of uh, Casey Cananzaro. Uh, she was a name that a lot of people were really hyped to see. Of course, her appearances on uh, American Ninja Warrior. She was the first ever woman to complete the city finals course. Uh, made some headway there. Uh, WWE immediately snatched her up and signed her to a deal. So now she's under the NX, uh, the WWE banner working in the PC. Um, now, she has less than a year of wrestling experience. So a lot of people were under, trying to figure out who she, what type of style she was going to have. And in the pre-match uh, interview, she says, you know, I don't, you know, you can't, you don't know how to be a striker. You don't know, like, you, you can't be a striker. You can't be this. You can't be that. She's like, what do you, like, you know, you don't know what I can do. I can be anything I want at this point, you know. But I love the fact that her experience from American Ninja Warrior did help uh, not only give her a little bit of a, a bit of attention, but shows that she has some crazy athleticism that, she, that she's definitely going to show in the squared circle. Now, this was a bit of a match of David versus Goliath. Uh, Casey Cananzaro is literally 5-1, uh, probably like a buck 15, soaking wet at best. I like her look. I like a little bit of um, her outfit was pretty cool. Her ring entrance was really interesting as she climbed the uh, the ring, the corner ring post up to the ring. That was something you don't normally see with that, which I thoroughly liked. Um, Reina Gonzalez, uh, for those who don't know, was actually in the tournament last year. And uh, she was eliminated in the first round of last year's tournament. And she's also now turned heel. And I've, if I remember correctly, her and Rhea Ripley have been a little bit of a tag team as of late doing shows with uh, under the NXT banner. So they have a little heel action. I also follow her uh, on Instagram. And those two really have a little bit of a heel-like team together. Their chemistry looks pretty damn good uh, with these guys. So I really like that, you know, she's, she came back for the tournament. And she is six foot one. Okay, so when they met in the ring to actually shake hands before the matchup, you could definitely see the height difference between the two, and it really showed in this match uh, for both Canizaro and Gonzalez. So, like I said before, she uh, climbed into the ring, you know, in true Ninja Warrior style. Reina definitely displayed that dominant powerhouse look. Match started off with uh, Casey uh, outpacing her opponent, going for a uh, high-flying and to try to stay out of the way of the more powerful Gonzalez, uh, showcasing a little bit of some new maneuvers that, that wouldn't be... Uh, now, as they say, it wouldn't be out of place in a ricochet match and really got the crowd going in this matchup. Uh, Cananzaro finding hard to try to get some offense in. Gonzalez stopping her at every pass, hitting her with some big slams. Hitting, uh, I'm surprised well, we didn't see a big boot from Gonzalez. It really would have been nice to see that. Um, I really did enjoy this match. Uh, at the end, though, Cananzaro, I believe she went off the top rope 
uh, catches her. Uh, Gonzalez caught her, but somehow got into a, a fluke roll-up, got into a, like a wheelbarrow position, at, gets the roll-up, and actually got the three count. So, Cananzaro defeats Gonzalez, and she moves on, and now she will face Rhea Ripley in the corner finals of the tournament. So, that's going to be interesting to see Ripley and Cananzaro going forward, how that match will play out. We'll soon see as we move on further in the tournament. The main event of episode two gave us Ashley Rain, who, if you do not know who Ashley Rain is, her character outside of WWE is Madison Rain, a former uh, Knockouts champion. I believe she won it three times. She's won it three times. Uh, 13 years of experience. You know, if you know Impact, you know exactly who she is. Mercedes Martinez, of course, was in the tournament last year, made it all the way to the semifinals before losing. And I didn't even know this. uh, Shayna Baszler is actually Martinez's protege. I didn't even know that. I just read it just now. I did not know that Martinez trained Baszler. And this is and I I now can I now actually see it in her, you know, in Baszler's style, how she approaches the ring, how she approaches matches. It's all it's definitely shown. Right there. So kudos to Martinez for helping Baszler become who she is now. So she wanted to return to the WWE and this May Young Classic to actually outdo herself. And instead of getting to the final four, she wants to win the tournament. Uh, she's an 18-year competitor. So definitely a lot of experience between these two. They know their way around the square circle. Of course, I believe uh, she's a former uh, Shimmer champion. In her own right, and she is one tough competitor. You know, she's definitely one of those. Uh, she's definitely a favorite of mine going into the tournament. I was hoping she. I'm hoping she actually makes a bigger wave. You know, I hope she makes it at least to the um, semifinals again. Uh, I like. I know we had already talked about the Leaked Evolution card. So, I, unfortunately, if you listen to it. You already know who's going to be in the finals. I, of course, I already do. But I like to see what Mar- Mercedes Martinez is going to do going forward. Now, what they highlighted with Martinez is that she works two full-time jobs and still is able to wrestle. And when Renee Young asked her how she does this, she just says she loves it. You know, for most people, one full-time job is crazy enough. She works two full-time jobs and wrestles. So we got no people. We've got no excuse after hearing that. I mean, I work a full time job, you know, do the gym thing and I do a a podcast for you guys. And I just finished literally finished um, my shift a couple hours ago. So, I mean, after hearing about that, we got no excuse. People got to put that work in. You know, if she's going to work two jobs and wrestle and do this tournament, we, you know, Fuck it. It's 2018. We got about three months to go before the end of the year. Let's get our shit together, too, because this this definitely embodies something. I'm not I'm not trying to just, you know, just kiss ass real quick. I'm just saying, you know, let's put some work in going into 2019. So these two were fucking fantastic. I mean, the main event last week with Killer Kelly and Mako Saramura was fantastic. One of my favorite matches from the tournament so far. This match, I think, beats. Killer Kelly and Sadamura's matchup. It was very hard hitting from beginning to end. Um, 
very hard, uh, very back and forth. A uh, lot of big moves. But towards the end, uh, Mercedes Martinez actually caught Rain in her. Uh, she actually had a hesitation suplex that I saw that, in my opinion, was much better than uh, Mr. Bob Lashley did does in the ring um especially after the whole botch with Sami Zayn damn near breaking his fucking neck uh she had she held that i i counted it for at least a good 12 15 seconds before she actually dropped it it was clean um rain fan, uh, fantastically just held herself up in the air and with a, a hesitation super like that it's a lot of trust between two people whether it be male or female to not only for the person in that's going to get dropped to stay vertical, but for the person holding him into that suplex, maintaining their strength and maintaining that core. And that was in the crowd was really, really behind that. And, and very impressed uh, by the strength of Martinez. And when that hit, then when that landed, my fucking God, did that impact sound fantastic. I loved it. Now, um, a bit of Reigns off. Now, this is what I'm just saying. I'm going off with what the mirror says. Uh, they said that uh, Reigns moves didn't look that impactful. And she spent most of the match smiling in intense situations. And I can see where they're coming from with this. Because there were points in the match where she did was smiling. Where, when she should have been a little bit more serious. Um, I didn't like that aspect. For the most part, it was a really good match between these two. I still thoroughly enjoyed the two facing each other when i first saw the bracketology for this and i saw rain versus martinez i was actually very very excited to see these two and they did not disappoint in the end though mercedes hits the fisherman's buster gets the one two three and eliminates ashley rain from the may young classic tournament and moves on to the quarterfinals um i would have really liked to see ashley rain get the victory here, but I think she, they wanted to get her, you know, just a bit out there. It was really nice to see her in the tournament. And it was, uh, she wanted to do it, you know, to show her daughter, Charlie, that, you know, she can be a a full-time mom and do what she loves in the ring, especially, you know, she's had 13 years of experience doing this. So she's definitely putting on an effort for not only the fans, but for her daughter as well. So going forward, Kenanzaro, you're going to be looking at Mercedes Martinez. We're going to be looking at definitely going forward, and I believe the next matchup for Martinez is Mako Satomura. And if you've watched both Satomura's match and Martinez's match, this is going to be fucking insane. I think it's going to be one of the best matches of the quarterfinals. Once we get to that point, uh, I know we still have two more episodes of the first round matchups, and what I do like, and I think I talked about this on Twitter that I like, actually, no, I didn't talk about it on Twitter. I talked about it to uh, one of, uh, to actually Nick of the Wrestling With Issues podcast. Um, was it Nick? It was Nick and Kevin. I'm sorry. Um, and we talked about it and I really like the fact that they're not giving us the matches of next week's episode ahead of time. We know who's in the tournament, but we don't know who's, you know, which matchups are going to be what. And I liked a little bit of that mystery. Like, we don't know who's going to face who. I love that. I love, you know, that bit of mystery going forward. I remember with the Cruiserweight Classic, they definitely put that out there uh, when they did it in 2016, showing, you know, 
so-and-so is going to face so-and-so next week, and these are your four matchups. The fact that we get a little bit of mystery going forward is going to be fantastic. I'm hoping uh, we get to see either... I hope we get to see uh, Tony Storm and Jenny, or we get to see Io Shirai and Zaya Brookside. That, the, either one of those are going to be main events of the shows, of shows three and four. It's just a matter of who is who is going to be in the main event first. I would like to see uh, Io Shirai versus Io Brookside in the main event. I think Io is one of those talents that is a, is a can't miss. Uh, Zaya Brookside, uh, the 19-year-old, um, I believe she's an IPW UK Women's Champion currently at the moment. So that's, so that, and I don't know much about Zaya Brookside other than the fact of her look. So, um, like I said, I wanted want to know more about these ladies. The fact that we have this tournament for a second year row gives me, you know, gets me interested in more talents to keep an eye on going forward. So you, so we can all say, hey, I saw so and so when they were in the Mae Young Classic, and now they've grown into this great talent to where they are, and it all started with the MYC twenty eighteen. So that is going to end it for episode two of the May Young Classic Review. Well, guys, that's going to be it for Episode 9 of the Young Lions Perspective. I want to thank you guys so much for taking just a little bit of time out of your day to check out the podcast. Now, I'm followable on Twitter at SwadeSenatorWWI and on Instagram at Swade underscore Senator underscore WWI. Slide on my DMs on my Twitter. And let's keep the conversation going about this episode or any other episode you may have checked out or just anything about the world of professional wrestling as a whole. Now, if you don't listen to me on the Anchor app, and honestly, I highly suggest you get the Anchor app for not just my show. Actually, yeah, just listen to my show. Tell a friend to tell a friend about it. You can check me out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, the newest member of the YLP Distribution Machine, CastBox, Overcast, PocketCast, Radio Public, Stitcher Radio, and of course, that good old Spotify fam. Just search for the Young Lions Perspective, and I guarantee you will find it without fail. Guys, coming this week in episode 10 we have hit number 10, episode X of the Young Lions Perspective. We're going to be talking about the match between Kenny Omega and Tomohiro Ishii for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. I had heard great things about this match, much more physical than their first matchup when they faced each other at the G1 Climax Tournament with Ishii getting top contender status after beating Omega and breaking his undefeated streak in the tournament. I'm really excited to check that out. I'm going to have some time. Uh, in the middle of the week to actually check out that episode. I'm going to break it down to its bare essentials and give you the best in-depth show I can for that particular segment. Now, also, we will be talking about the latest episode of NXT, of course, with Ricochet versus Pete Dunne, champion versus champion. Both the North American and the UK titles are going to be on the line. That is going to be probably one of the craziest matchups we're going to see all year. And, of course, episode three of the May Young Classic. Guys, enjoy the rest of your day. Um, tell a friend to tell a friend about this uh, show on your social media, wherever you may be on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, your Tumblr, your Bumble, wherever you may want to enjoy your social media. Tell a friend to tell a friend about this show, man, and let's keep the party going. Guys, I'm tired. I need to take a nap. Enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the rest of your week. Keep an eye out for episode 10. I'm hyped for it. You should be too, guys. See you.